today, we find ourselves in America, where anything can happen. From your dreams coming true, to your nightmares becoming real. Welcome to American Crimes. Welcome to American Crimes, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, it is so appreciated to see everybody out there that listens to this podcast, that enjoys the subject matter. It really does mean the world. And like I said a few months ago, we're doing our best here. We're doing our best to give you some great cases, some interesting stuff. But, you know, we're not here to solve anything or change lives, per se. We're here to talk about an interesting subject, an interesting case and see where it takes us, you know, see where we come at, come out of, right? That's, I mean, I, how else can you explain it? Okay? And today is no different. We have a very special case today that is just bonkers, okay? And, and it is very rare for me to have any details before I actually start recording the episode. I really just find the information as we record, okay? But today is different, okay? It is different. I found the information before... I looked at a little bit of it. I don't know where it's taking us, but I do know that this does involve murder, as well as suicide, as well as Danny Phantom. So once again, welcome to American Crimes. It's just past midnight, June 8, 2017, Eaton Township, Pennsylvania. Like most nights in this small Wyoming county of only 1,500, it's so quiet you could hear a pin drop. Most people are asleep, but there are a few people around town working the night shift at various local businesses. One of these businesses is a Weiss Markets grocery store. It's a regional chain in the Mid-Atlantic region. Now, given how late it is, only five people were working that night. They were mostly stocking items and cleaning the store. One of these workers was 24-year-old Randy Stair, a tall, lanky, young man with semi-long blonde hair. He arrived for a shift at 11 p.m. that night and began his restocking duties as he did evenings for the past seven years that he had worked there. However, Randy did something different that night. Okay, so from what I can already tell, uh, you see this guy's physical features, the way he looks. Um, <clears throat> you know, we've all worked with people that look like this, that have this, uh, you know, I'm going to work the same position without any desire of growing into something else until the day I die, right? The dude has been stocking shelves for seven years, okay? He looks like a dude that didn't talk to anybody, even the dudes who wanted to befriend him. He wouldn't really talk to you, just a, hey, what's up? And then back to his monotonous job. And you could see here that something really snapped in Randy. Okay, he doesn't look very well 
right out of the gate. And it seems as if you can listen to music while you're on shift. Okay, he's the type of guy that was so skinny that he would wear long sleeves just so people couldn't tell how skinny he was, right? You see a lot of these super skinny guys wear layers like a fat guy. Like, how many shirts do you have on, guy? Five? What in the fuck? So the, the dude has alien fingers as well. He's a very creepy-looking guy. And if there's anybody that you can compare his, his whole face and hair to, it's the Sandy Hook guy. I can't think of the dude's name, but the way he looked is almost exactly how this kid looks. But here's the thing. Not everybody who has these personal attributes ends up being a killer. But does that but does that mean that we shouldn't at least pay enough attention to protect ourselves from a person that might turn into that? Yeah. So I'm sorry. If you don't want people to be worried that you might shoot the place up one day, don't look like Randy. <laughs> All right? Plain and simple. And I'm sorry that's the way it is, but I'm not asking to fucking jump around and be jovial 24-7, but, you know, not talking to anybody, working the same position, same job for all these years without any aspirations of doing anything else. Simply what this story is going to be, from my perspective now, is a story of a disgruntled employee. Somebody who didn't get his way one time or felt that he wasn't getting his way for several days or weeks or months or whatever it may be and he finally decided this is the only way that I can deal with this or handle it or get anything dealt with okay so he thinks this and then he goes out of his way and he does it but why because the reality is there is other opportunities there is other options going to this extreme is obviously a person who who doesn't have the ability to verbalize his thoughts or, you know, get things done by using his words. So he goes to an extreme like this and people lose their lives. For fucking what, Randy? Because you were mad at work? This is how you want to be remembered? You want to be remembered as the guy who killed a bunch of people because you were sad or whatever it is? It's absurd. Now, around 12.20, he went to the back room and began moving several pallets in front of uh, the exits. He also went to the crew area and crew area of the store and blocked the emergency exits before returning to the floor to continue stocking. So during his shift, he's periodically going out of his way to make sure that whoever else is working there that night, the other four people, they're not going to get away. In addition to all that, he also grabbed a bag out of his car, which was a 2013 Hyundai Sonata. So it's crazy to think that this guy's car is a 2013, right? It's only four years old at this time. And for some reason, he's not living a good life. I bet his parents were fucking A1 citizens, right? People of the community. And they got this fucking dude who lives in his basement and conjures up ideas and to kill people. Because they don't give him enough attention. Now, he blocked the bakery section of the store with his car and in his bag uh, uniform that wasn't his work uniform. It was something he could wear instead of his usual red polo. 
Uh, it was a black cargo pant, uh, pants, excuse me, and a white shirt that said, it's our time to rise, along with a black beanie and black face paint around his eyes. So you also get to see a cool photo of him wearing the shirt. Like, the, the kid looks like a dildo, truth be told. Like, if you think of what a dildo is, it looks like this kid. Like, the kid that tries to make a joke after everybody's got all the good jokes out. It's like, hey, man, just sit down. You know, we're good. The guy who draws pentagrams and shit on his wrists and whatnot. He, you know, he, he, he would honestly have his hair cover one part of his, his eyes if he could. You know, that fucking, that haircut that the emo kids have. Um, afterwards, he returned to the entrance of the store and locked the automatic main entrance doors. He then opened the bag, which contained two loaded 12-gauge Mossberg 500-pistol pistol grip shotguns and proceeded out onto the floor of the store. The first person he encountered was a 63-year-old Terry Sterling. Randy shot him in the torso before unloading several, several more shells into him after he fell. So he's killing a 63-year-old dude. Why? What did he do to you? Randy Hmm. I mean doesn't make any sense what did this 63 year old man do to you what was he not your friend he then ran into Brian Hayes who was 47 years old killed him as well and again what did these people do to you at all what connection do they have to you at all Victoria Brong, who was 26, was laying down in another aisle. She was wearing earbuds and heavily into her work, so she obviously didn't hear this going on. She also didn't hear him approach her from behind. He shot her in the head and back multiple times, destroying her head and instantly killing her. Within only a few minutes, three of the four workers were dead. The remaining worker, Kristen uh, Newell, was in the same aisle as Victoria and was busy labeling products. Like Victoria, she was also wearing uh, headphones and didn't hear anything initially. However, she did turn around and saw and heard Randy kill Victoria. After killing Victoria, Randy chose to spare Kristen for some reason. According to Kristen, Randy stared at her for only a few seconds before wordlessly walking to another aisle. Kristen took this opportunity to flee the store. She later reported hearing multiple gunshots as she was fleeing. At 12.44 a.m., she called Wyoming County Sheriff's Department to report the shooting. At this point, the store was void of living people other than Randy. So here's my guess. My guess is old Randy had a little crush on this Kristen. What other reason would she have been left to survive? Because there is no other reason. There's no reason to kill anybody else. And then just leave her for some strange reason? You're going to kill a 63-year-old man, a 47-year-old man, probably fathers? And kill this young woman who has no idea what's happening? She gets shot from behind, headphones on, no chance to fight back. And then you see this other woman and you're like, that's ah, fine. She's good. That's why I think Randy had feelings for her. Something. He definitely felt something for her. Why would he leave her? Only to hang out in the store with a bunch of bodies by himself. Doesn't make any sense. 
CCTV footage showed that after Kristen fled, he walked aimlessly around the store taking pot shots at various merchandise. He also fired on some propane tanks that never exploded. Afterwards, he went to the deli section of the store, placed a shotgun in his mouth, and blew out his brains. Police arrived soon after and found the three victims' bodies plus Randy's. So yeah, I guess outside of wanting to know his reasoning behind doing this, eat the gun, dude. Eat it. Yum, yum. That's what I say. Yum, yum. Enjoy it. But you should have did that before you took anybody else's lives. You know? You should have did that earlier. Sorry. That's what it is. If we knew it was going to come to this, would you not have recommended it? I mean, come on. If we knew that it was going to come to three innocent people losing their lives, losing their lives because this guy's sad or whatever the fuck, eat the gun way earlier. Eat it earlier, dude. Because he went out of his way, he had all these fucking tapes and journals and suicidal bullshit that he was writing anyways. It's like, obviously his parents were so goddamn blind or caught up in their own lives, they didn't give a shit about what was going on with his to let this happen. I'm not blaming them, but dear God, look at the kid. One look, you're like, yeah, he's probably going to do some fucked up shit. He looks like the kid that enjoys leaving the earth by putting on headphones, drowning himself in sad fucking music, and burning ants, okay? He looks like a, uh, he probably sleeps in a bedroom that's devoid of light completely, okay, and draws pictures of fucking things killing things, right? Apparently he was some sort of a YouTube guy, he had a YouTube channel. It's like, man, what the fuck's happening? The reason this was called the Danny Phantom thing is because he had an obsession with the cartoon. That shows you the level of intelligence of this person. Did you expect great things from them, mom and dad? Right? I mean, he's worked at the same place for seven years. Did you not think that something might be going on where he's not exploring life? Or the world? He's working in the same place, doing the same job for seven years, probably with the same people, until he eventually kills them, then takes his own life so nobody has any answers. That shit pisses me off. That really annoys the fuck out of me. It's so much more cowardly when somebody goes and takes a life and then takes their own life, not even to be a lot. We don't get to question them. You don't have to answer for what you did outside of the religious aspects, depending on what you believe, right? But you don't get to answer here. The family doesn't get to talk to you. They don't get to see your fucking face. It's crazy. And I would tell you this. There's a good chance that a lot of people saw this guy and was like, yeah, he probably, hey, they probably made jokes like, hey, Randy, when are you going to shoot up the place? And he had to take off his headphone. And, so, and sort of respond, huh? Right? Because he's always wearing music. He's always got music on. For some reason. Because that dude never wants to speak to a human person. A fucking coward. That's what he is. He's a coward. The other thing that I noticed too is it's like, dude... Why can't the person who's committing these crimes ever look like a regular Joe? Why can't you look like Brian, right, or Steve, 
Carl, right? Just a regular fucking guy. Instead, they always look like monsters. They always look like guys that do this shit. When you see their faces, you're like, that's exactly what I expected. It's exactly what I thought you'd look like. And, and we know that, and we all say it, and yet nobody can stop this shit from happening. But yet, how many times have we seen somebody and been like, that dude looks like he's gonna, he might do something fucked up one day. And until he does something fucked up, nobody gives a shit. Nobody pays attention. You make jokes about it, you poke fun at it, but you don't do anything. And then one day, seven people are murdered, right? And then you're like, see, told you it was going to happen. What the fuck? Why can't we do anything to stop it ahead of time? If you think this guy's up to no good, he's been stuck in the same job for seven years, same haircut since eighth grade, say something. Get this guy into a fucking therapist, man. This mental health thing is crazy. I mean, it's just a little bit enraging that we have to wait till these people kill somebody before we take it seriously. Okay, because we can all see, you know, everybody deals with some sort of anxiety or depression, right? But a lot of us that deal with these things, we look relatively normal. We, we don't look like at some point we've let it all go. But when you see this guy and you also know things must not be going well for him, and then you see, oh, also he has this, this, and this, and this traits, right? We should be able to say, hey, get this guy into a therapist, keep him locked in a room until we can make sure he's fucking better. But for some reason, we can't. We have to wait until people's heads are blown off in a fucking grocery store. So the cops came, they sweep the area, one of the officers end up observing two propane tanks in Randy's car, so they called the bomb squad, uh, so they called the bomb squad, which I imagine took five hours, right, for the bomb squad to go in there, find out that there's not actually an expl any explosives, and if you actually saw what Randy looked like, you would be like, yeah, that dweeb has no idea how to rig an explosive, period. So I would have just grabbed the damn propane tanks. Uh, they determined the scene was no longer uh, active. They finally went in. So there's just bodies laying inside the store while they're waiting for these fucking bomb squad people to show up. I would imagine it was pretty fucking long. These people aren't ready to go. You know, they're not fire people. Firemen. All right, fire people, sure. Who cares? The human torch, whatever. Uh, forensic technicians found that a total of 59 shots have been fired. A lot of them were, you know, at random things because... Randy's a fuck-off. Uh, they also found, despite carrying two shotguns, he only fired one. He brought the second one just in case the first one happened to jam or anything went wrong. But it's like, dude, you fired, what, three, four, five, maybe shots, seven shots uh, at a person and people that were disarmed and unable to defend themselves? What the fuck? You, uh, come on. Uh, even though he was gruesomely disfigured by the shotgun blast, authorities quickly identified Randy as the shooter. Based on the information, Pennsylvania State Police executed a search warrant at Randy's parents' house because, of course, that's where he still lives, right? Of fucking course, that's where he still lives. Why? You look at this kid and you think, yeah, he's probably doing well. He's out on his own. He's living a life. No, he lives at fucking mom and dad's, period. And had he not lived at mom and dad's, chances are he's moving to grandma's, okay? He's never going to be on his own, which, again, tells you he, he's unstable. He's not well. Like I said, many people probably made jokes to the fact of, yeah, he doesn't look like he's going to, he looks like he's going to kill, period. And we can all poke fun at it and make jokes about it, but until somebody does something, and then these things are going to keep happening. So how do we stop this? How do we nip this in the bud? 
How do we keep the people that look like they might fucking have a psychotic breakdown, have a psychotic breakdown and kill people? How do we stop it? How do we get in front of it? It's dumb. It's absurd. doesn't make any sense. They found hundreds of shotgun shells at Randy's parents' house. Authorities also seized Randy's computer, phone, and several flash drives. And this is where they found um, a long downward spiral of Randy. He was a relatively normal kid that eventually turns into a cold-blooded uh, suicidal killer. Randy Stair was born September 17, 1992 in uh, Pennsylvania. Despite being named Randy, he preferred to be called Andrew Blaze or simply Andrew. And that's the thing I have about nicknames is, hey man, your name's Randy, you can be fucking Randy. That's your name. He's like, hey, you know, uh, call me, Ran uh, my name's Randy Stair, but can you call me Andrew? No, I'm going to call you Randy or Randall, okay? You don't get to just go and pick a brand new fucking name that's not associated with your name at all. It's like, oh, uh, my name's uh, John F. Kennedy, call me Jack. Uh, What? How about I call you Johnny or John? Jay, even. I go to Jay. But you're going all the way to Jack? Those letters aren't in there. But Randy was born into a middle-class family. He resided in the suburbs of Dallas, Pennsylvania. He had a normal childhood, by all accounts. Document found on Randy's computer titled Andrew Blaze Early Years Information described his elementary and middle school years. And here's just an excerpt from that because obviously this guy was not well. He says, When I was a little kid, I always dreamed of becoming someone cool. I remember watching cartoons and seeing these characters being immortalized in our everyday lives. Every kid knew who Scooby-Doo was. And every kid knew what a Pokemon was. Every kid watched and looked up to someone in his or her life. It didn't take long for my interest in television and films to grow. I frequently envisioned myself as a character from, te from a television show. So I think right there it can kind of tell you exactly how ridiculously grandiose his imagination was. Uh, according to Randy, he was fairly average, although he was a bit of a loner. And pretty much only had one real friend during these years. And when he was a... Uh, you look at pictures of him from middle school in his early years. He looks like Jonathan Lipnicki from Stuart Little. What was the problem, dude? You know? You should have had friends. Maybe it was just the fact that he was such a weirdo. You know? But either way, middle school, and this is quoted, uh, he mentioned being bullied in middle school, downplayed it and claimed it wasn't a big issue. Middle school is when uh, he really started to heat up and envision hurting the people in his class, such as Eric Waters. He'd steal shit from his lunch and then give it back because it didn't, because he didn't show any resistance. This kid doesn't even care, haha. -ha. So the, the pictures of Randy from school... Again, he it's like these these days, these years can really sort of form who you're going to be. And it obviously did that, you know, his resentment for how people were treating him then only added to his uh, isolation when he became an adult. 
Uh, one of the things Randy stated always interested him was interest interested in him because it's a hard word. Uh, was filmmaking and animation. Like many young people, Randy craved fame and attention and hoped that his YouTube channel would give him that. Most of the videos on his channel were random and nondescript, but generally funny, huh? Although initially not having much success, Randy got a taste of it in 2010 when he did a crossover video with Make Me Bad 35, who was a big YouTuber at the time. The video titled Mr. Horsehead Meets Mr. Wooden Alligator garnered 120,000 views and gave Randy his first taste of internet fame. It looks dumb. Uh, he even got a shout out from the famous YouTuber Ray William Johnson in 2011. After this, Randy would try again and again to repeat the success. He also made a second YouTube uh, channel called Fat Ass that attempted to parody the stunts uh, that were done by Jackass. You know, kids were doing that quite often, even though they told you many times not to. The theme was never being able to find something that attracted a substantial audience, and it was something that would be a recurring phenomenon in Randy's life. Between 2011 and 2013, Randy tried to become a streamer on YouTube and other streaming platforms. Like his previous endeavors, this garnered no attention, and Randy would spend several hours live streaming to an audience of zero, and essentially just talking to himself. It was after these failures that cracked... Uh, Randy and most of the content he produced became much more somber and dark instead of comedic he often complained that YouTube was no longer enjoyable like it had been during the early years and his dream of having a career was unlike unlikely to come to fruition uh, it's just weird to think like to speak in those times where this is a kid who tried to have success on YouTube and failed only to become a murderer and kill himself and essentially be immortalized that way it's such a bizarre twist you're like oh this kid just wanted to be noticed on the internet to now be noticed on the internet forever but for nothing he had did creatively right and it's so weird to see these little things that mold a person and can can essentially help push them over the edge push them into things like this and it sucks because it, obviously early in his life, you could see that he was comfortable with himself. And then the pictures you see of him as an adult before these murders take place, you're like, yeah, something he was hiding. Even in his own skin, he was hiding. But why? Why? So his content online drastically changes. It becomes different, right? It just becomes different. What can you expect? All right. The kid's obviously a loner. He's hanging out by himself. And he essentially gets caught up in this world of a cartoon and feels the necessity to expand on it himself. And it was a thing called EGS, which he called Ember's Ghost Squad. Um, it was a Danny Phantom fan fiction. Now, although many of his viewers thought his new shift was laughably bad... Given that it revolved around a secondary character from a Nickelodeon TV show, Randy became wholly dedicated to this new shift. So I think about it like this. It's one thing for your kids to have these kind of invested interests these days, okay? But I look at it like if you have no way to monetize that, don't dedicate yourself to it, okay? If there is no future possibility of funding 
whatever you're doing, making money for doing what you're doing, I can't accept dedicating yourself to it fully. I just can't. Do I think you can still do it as a hobby? For sure. But I imagine this kid, with the way that he got so deep into it, is he would spend hours upon hours upon hours doing this fan fiction. And at first, it might have seemed all well and good to his family. They didn't give a shit about it. Do what you do, man. You're enjoying yourself. You're having a good time. You're invested in it. Fine. But to get so invested where they stop seeing him physically, that's when you should you should start checking in. Say, hey, man, you got to go outside. You got to do other things than go to work at that same bullshit job that you hate and come home and write this fan fiction no one cares about but you. Okay? And I'll be honest, there's probably a lot of people that stream to zero people. But let me just say, who cares? Because that in itself, that all alone is essentially what I'm doing now. Right? You guys aren't sitting here with me. You're not next to me. You're not in the same room. We're, n you want, we're not even doing this at the same time. Okay, you're going to listen to this after I've recorded it. But I'm essentially doing what he was doing while he was streaming to zero people. And there's nothing wrong with it. You have to figure out how to make that benefit you. Yeah, there's no people, which means do anything you can. Do anything you want. What's stopping you? There's no one there to even judge you. And also, the therapeutic release you get from verbalizing your thoughts, so healthy. So healthy. But to only have, I don't know, I guess, I don't even know what you'd call it. The hopes of fame or prosperity for, you know, doing your things online and that being your only goal from doing it, you're setting yourself up to fail. Okay, it is not that easy. We've all seen Bo Burnham, right, come from YouTube and blow up into this sensational comedian, comedic act, and that doesn't happen for everybody. It's so rare. So, like a real parent would say and should have said to this kid, probably should have said to him and, and didn't say it, is don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? Don't sit there and hope that the one thing you're focusing on is going to be the thing that's going to, you know, spark your fire, right? You know, uh, the, creati uh, the creativity that goes into these things, these fan fiction things, is all well and good. It's a nece uh, necessary art. But at the same time, you can't put everything in that one basket in the hopes that there's something that's going to come from it. Like, this dude dedicated all of his time to this until the point that he killed. And then killed himself. You understand? It's bizarre. That is bizarre. You were doing nothing else besides writing fan fiction to eventually murder. Your life is nothing. Nothing. You have zero to show for it. What you're about to see here is the original first half of the 
so this was all scrapped and abandoned because it mostly only pertained to my fan base, which you'll see why later on in this episode. But this was the true sequel to Absolution, with Curtain Call being the second half of this portion. It was originally attached to this, and this was just a humongous video, which now you'll hopefully see why this took me all year to work on. But um, anyways, without rambling on for too long, the animation in this is not finished as well like in Curtain Call, unfortunately. Some shots are better than others, but hey, you know, I hope you get a laugh out of this. This one's meant to be more comedic than Curtain Call. This one, unfortunately, is also live action, but hey, you know, it gets the point across of what I was going for. Next year, these things will be 100% animation. All the backgrounds will be animated and everything, and it'll just be way better. Anyways, hope you guys enjoy this, and have a marvelous day. So obviously, the, these videos that he is posting on YouTube, they feature, it's like a show that he was kind of creating, I suppose. So he did he did really dedicate himself to this and I and if that was his voice he sounds like a guy who's not stupid right he has a presence there's a I could see why somebody would listen to whatever he's doing here okay it makes sense there's something to it but at the same time you have to it's a very specific field of interest you know to be like oh I love Danny Phantom so much I'm also an adult and I'm going to go watch right I don't know it's a very niche type of thing but let's check out a little more of this random welcome to the squad It's so weird. Absolutely strange. Like, what am I watching? There's, it's just a black screen and an echoey voice. And I, I'll be honest, I, I don't even know if the dude ever got to the point of having the thing fully animated. Right? No idea. He said that eventually it's going to be a fully animated... But within the first few minutes of this video, you see him, right? It's him playing, like, the cartoons in the same room with him, right? I feel like this, just, the amount of time you would have to put into this is just, it's too much. To know that there's, I don't know, it's not. What do you think is going to come of this, dude? Were people crying for a sequel to Danny Phantom? I just don't see that. Time is not of the essence. I've been here for nearly a quarter of a century, and it feels like hours. We don't operate like you do. We feel no physical pain or starvation, but the mental pain of hopelessness. You're given the answers to your ever so important questions, but it does little to comfort you. It's a test. Work my fingers to my bones I scream with pain I still make the re-impression We're all dead. 
destined to be recruited on the other side. It's not a matter of by choice, but by fate. For years, I've had a recruit by my side, Amber Flores, helping me get my feet. Okay, so the characters get signed a unique number. They get branded a, a number on their arm. Wonder where he got that idea. That's a squad recruiting their newest member. It's kind of like being split into different houses based on your traits. There seems to be an endless amount of squads in this universe. But this one has been my home. The afterlife is more than just a battle. It's a war. Jeez. I, I'm sorry for even putting you guys through that. You kind of... You kind of feel yourself falling into it. Like, what the? What am I watching? You know, when you see some somebody do, you know, something strange in public and you can't look away from it? That's exactly how I felt about this. Like, it's so bad that I'm just watching it. You know? It's, uh, uh I don't know. Well, anyways... He created an entire online presence, including separate YouTube channels, an Instagram page, Facebook, a wiki, and nine Twitter accounts. With these Twitter accounts, Randy would roleplay as various members of the EGS and would reply to himself, as well as retweet and favorite his own tweets. Now that's not uncommon. We, there's people out there that do that shit religiously. And we see a tweet here from Ember's Ghost Squad. Ready to Die, the Westboro High Massacre, coming June 7th, 2017. It actually got 7 comments, 11 retweets, and 12 likes. And then the next one is a reply um, from Andrew Blaze. says, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. And there's some more where he's like, uh, Amber's Ghost Squad says, just when it seemed a nation couldn't get any stupider, you elect Donald fucking Trump. So, like, you know, he's out here talking about Trump. Um, Ember, again, says, R.I.P. America. Um, if anyone would like to commit suicide tonight, shoot us a message. We'll come to you. It's a bunch of election stuff. Uh, Randy actually claimed that the idea for the squad idea came from the dark stuff that had been going on in his life for the past few years, including a car accident that he got in and his isolation and depression. So like I said, you simply look at this kid and you can see something's going on. Okay, it's blatantly fucking obvious. It's so obvious. And for him to be able to dedicate this much time to this project only leads me to the idea that his parents weren't paying attention or maybe they felt, hey, he's occupied, he's doing something, he seems to enjoy it, he's, he's putting his mind into other things, great. We don't have to deal with him, right? But it turns out, EGS was centered around Ember McLean, who's a character from Danny Phantom, and the ghost dimension, an alternate dimension in the show where people go after they die, and Randy claimed that the idea for the squad was just something that he had to build. He seemed to have to live in this thing. He was already fascinated, as priorly mentioned, about characters in television, right? 
So he was living in this fantasy world already. He just simply needed some place, some way to make it exist. two years ago for my six-year anniversary, which you can watch it on the Pioneers Anthology channel. What I decided to do for this video is just answer some questions as to what happened with my channel over the last few years, because chances are everyone watching this video is a fan of my pre-2014 stuff. Now, this is what happened. I did videos over the years that were just parodies of other YouTubers. In the beginning, I started videos that were similar to Smosh with sketch videos that transitioned to stuff similar to Fred, then it went into Make Me That 35 territory, and it just kept building up into this parody area. And what ended up happening was, in 2013, something changed. It was just a huge departure from what I had done over the years, and it's just been different ever since. As much as I love looking back at the old stuff from before 2013, I just never acknowledge the stuff nowadays. If you notice on all my social medias, you'll never see me really ever mention a video before 2013 for the most part. Okay, so another thing that you have to notice as well and acknowledge is the fact that watching these videos, watching the production uh, and the consistent uh, quality of whatever he's putting out there, there's money somewhere. Whether his parents are financing his Mac computer, paying for that shit, which I would imagine so, or his, you know, Yeti microphone, whatever. He's got equipment. He's able to use programs to essentially make cartoons. That stuff isn't cheap, man. It's not cheap at all. And his animations look legit. The music looks, looks legit. It seems like a TV show, okay? And it's obviously better than the first one. He's eight years into it. He's been doing it for some time. And in the beginning, he was simply just copying people. Now he's doing his own thing. And it is weird to hear the voice of somebody you know that went on to kill three people. Two grown men and a young woman. Unknowingly. They had no... I, I don't know if what was in them. You know, if they had any idea that there was something going to happen. But the kid is very strange. He looks strange. Um, he probably had a real issue with real people, and it was obvious. But still here watching this, even the way that he looked, you would say, yeah, that's a loner, that's an isolated dude. That He doesn't look like a guy that someone couldn't try to befriend, right? So maybe it was this world that he got himself into and essentially couldn't get himself out. This YouTube channel... And now in September, I'll be 24. That is how long I've been doing this channel for. And when you're 15, you know, you're you're a lot, you're a whole different person. And I just, back then, I was a 15-year-old, but in reality, I was like a 12-year-old. And my video... I do find it humorous that he's saying, you know, the stuff that he was doing in his early days when he was 15 seemed like stuff that a 12-year-old would do. But yet he's 24 doing a cartoon about another cartoon character who's not even the main character. And I would say that's more childish than probably the parody videos. Pretty much all my life, I've just been a shy kid. I won't sugarcoat that. I've been a really shy kid, very antisocial most of my life. But on the internet, I became a totally different person. And in 2012 is when things started to change. The beginning of this big switch goes back to at least 2010, but the ultimate trigger happened between 2012 and 2013. 
what happened was in February 2012, there was a kid that got killed in a car accident that I went to school with. Um, he was in his last year of high school. He was a senior. I had just graduated the previous year, but I knew him. I wasn't like good friends with him or anything, but we knew each other. And then one day I got word that he got killed on his way to school in the morning. And that event was what started this different area of production for me. I had never experienced a death that was like so close to home for me, especially because he was in my brother's grade. So very bizarre, very bizarre situation there where he's talking about him changing his content because of a car crash where a student that he might have went to school with passed away. I mean, it's such a weird incident to take place. Unless you can somehow associate that with the guy possibly being someone that talked to this Randy, that tried to be his friend, and him being one of the few that did that and then dying might be the trigger. Otherwise, it's just a kid you went to school with, and yeah, it sucks, but if you had no real ties to the kid, why is that what changed you from this happy-go-lucky, let's-make-parodies of you know other YouTuber videos to let's-get-real-dark and build this entire world where nobody else can get in besides me. Weird thing, huh? Very weird. Very weird. It was in back then. It just opened another door in my head that wasn't unlocked before. It's very hard to explain. But this event, like they say, like, there's events in your life that just trigger things, or there's things that just change you. Just, you, like, things go back to certain, like, certain events. This was one of those events that happened. And it was all over my social media. I had a lot of people from that grade on my Facebook page. And it was just a dark time for me. It was also when my grades started to slip in college. That was the main reason why. And I was doing shitty in all of my classes. After a few months, my head started to get you know back together and everything. And things pretty much went back to how they were. But that still was in the back of my mind. At the end of the year is when the content started to change. You had the Furby video for Halloween, which was the most work I had ever put into a video pretty much at the time. And I started prepping for it in summer and all that. And then when the video was done, it's like, man, I really wish I could do stuff like this all the time. I loved going into those darker areas, darker areas of production. What ends up happening, not long after that, you had the Christmas video, which was pretty much a mixture of comedy and horror. So this is when things started to change. So my videos weren't just about yelling, swearing, just yelling at the top of my lungs just to make a funny video anymore. I wanted to experiment with different areas. And then that leads us into January of 2013, which was the ultimate demise of my mind for the most part because so many things happened in this little span of time that just destroyed me. It was all the bad luck that I could have had in a year thrown into one month and a half for the most part. What happened was in G Okay, so this is what gets me about the younger people, especially somebody like this who talked to a camera into a microphone so often and revealed so many things. You would think that would help them. You would think it would benefit them. But what I'm realizing now is I feel like he's only going to tell us things that don't make sense. They shouldn't... He said that Th that year, he had the worst bad luck he could ever have, okay? Now, I'm older than him right now, for sure. I've been through that age. I've lived those years, and all I can think from my perspective is 
hey, man, get over it. Get over it. Because whatever you think is this big issue that you're going to tell us now is clearly going to be nothing. Because if a car accident someone else had that you had no relation to other than he was in your brother's grade is what triggers you and makes you start doing horror comedy videos, then obviously this this abundance of bad luck that you had is not going to be that bad. I can almost promise you. January, mid-January, I went back to college to start the new semester. And I got word that uh, a kid that was in one of my classes the previous semester was killed in a car crash. This was a kid that I had known, you know, all semester and had worked with a lot. And it just, it just killed me on the inside. I, I couldn't explain it. Something just broke. This is what just broke me to this day, for the most part, was this car accident. Okay, so just like we said, this car accident had a big impact on him. And as I priorly mentioned, it is probably because this is one of the few people that he's ever met in his life that tried to have a relationship with him of some kind. Be it friendship, be it acquaintance, uh, somebody who just happened to work with him because they had similar you know, project ideas, whatever. Either way, this relationship meant so much to him because obviously there isn't any other relationships for him to go to because what else explains him feeling so bad about this? Okay, yeah, it is a tragedy. That does suck. I've had it happen to myself. Two very close friends, kids that I grew up with, ended up passing away in car crashes, and they weren't even driving, okay? We've all had similar experiences, but we don't all go and shoot up a fucking grocery store, okay? It doesn't add up. And it, it seriously is, it's, it's never been the same since this happened. I mentioned this in the anthology and the drama life for the most part, but um, I, it's weird how, it, how I came to know that it was him. Because, it's hard for me to talk about this, honestly. Um, I can't find the words right now. But um, anyways, uh, the car crash happened in December. It was just as soon as the semester ended. It was like the 21st of December or something. One or two in the morning. And the eerie thing was, the kid lived where in the town where I worked at. And everyone was talking about this car accident that happened. And, you know, the kid in this city girl got killed and blah, blah, blah. And... I didn't even realize at the time that that's who it was. I didn't find out until a month later. Okay, so the fact to me that he says that he didn't find out till a month later only makes me think that he didn't even really know the kid that well. Not well enough for the kid's parents to notify him because if they were friends or hit the kid's parents to notify his parents to notify him. Anything like that to say, hey, this kid that you were so close to has passed away in a car accident. Sorry, he's not going to be around to help you complete whatever project you guys were working on. They weren't close enough for even that. So whatever he's saying sounds like it obviously affected him so much because it was the only guy who gave him any attention, only person who was really trying to be his friend. And because that never, you know, never evolved or never became anything else, where he got a new friend or made a new friend, he only started to spiral. He only continued to spiral. Because the one guy who was his friend, or seemed to be his friend, dies, and everything goes away. It doesn't come back. Had there been somebody to come in and fill that void, 
there's a chance this couldn't have this might not have happened who knows but i i feel like that's what he wanted was a relationship with a, somebody who had similar ideas and the fact that he's telling us right now that he didn't find out for a month that the person that died in the car crash was this kid it just doesn't make me i'm not believing that they were so close but i do believe this this randy here was isolated as shit he was depressed he was alone but he he let these things that should i would imagine like i said you can't blame the parents but i could say that this is probably the reason that they didn't feel anything bad was going on because they're like what that car crash affected you he probably didn't tell his parents anything about it and they were not watching his youtube channel but had he went to his mom or dad and been like hey you know that guy um George, whatever his name is, you know, uh, you know, George, the kid that came over that one time, whatever it is, he could explain how, that he's feeling different inside and needs somebody to talk to. But obviously, it wasn't there. It wasn't happening. So he went to the Internet. Instructor pulls me into the hallway, tells me about it, and I just, I, I just shut down. And it's just... It's one of those things you never wish on your worst enemy. So that took me a while to get over. And unfortunately, another event happened in the first week of February, which was a car accident that I was involved in. Long story short, I got sandwiched between two cars, totaled my car in a parking lot. Of all places, a parking lot, right? Okay, another thing that we're obviously learning in this, in this, you know, 20-minute video from this dude's channel is neither him or any of his friends should be driving. Him or anybody in his high school should be driving. Right? Seems like they all just don't have it together. Well, that added to this madness that was going on in my head, and then that sent me into an area which I'd never really been in before. It was very weird, just this place in my head where I just started to get ideas like never before. There's just so many bad things that happen. Little subtle things, not huge events like those two, but just stupid, dumb, bad luck that happened all within a matter of two months. And this is what changed me to the person I am today. We all have a... See, and that's what I feel like is the difference between a lot of our mental abilities is I feel like, yeah, everybody has those little subtle bad luck situations that come about, right? All week long, we're all fighting through those. But none of us go and shoot up a fucking grocery store, kill three innocent people, premeditated as all hell. We don't do that, right? Because these little events, we acknowledge, hey man, that's a little event. Who cares, right? Because I have a thousand more little events tomorrow, okay? I gotta get through each one of those. So, again, I think about it like this. Hey, man, get it together, okay? Because you're doing, your mind is focusing way too much on this small, menial shit, and it's driving you nuts. Obviously drove you nuts, okay? But, again, I think about it like, hey, man, he, he didn't have the person. There was nobody there to help him, but at the same time, there's not, a, there's not anybody there for a lot of us, and we still aren't going in and killing a grocery store employee, right? As shitty as their customer service may be, we get through it. 
We get through the day. And then we go to the next day and the next, because we all know there is a finality to it all. So why am I sitting here focusing on this one thing? It's crazy to do that. And maybe that's all he needed somebody to tell him. Hey, man, those people that got in that accident, your accident, that shit happens, man. Be happy that you survived. Live because you survived. Don't fucking dwell on the fact that you you survived and now, oh, I got all these ideas for a cartoon. I mean, it's good to see his parents were like, yeah, it's great he's invested in this, but they didn't know what the outcome was going to be. You got to check in, man. And if you don't realize that, then hopefully you will one day because this took a lot of guts to do. If you really sit back and look at what I'm doing, I'm doing something that's, you know, that's going to open yourself up to trouble down the road. It's not going to always be positive feedback and everything. This is something that's going to probably eventually turn into something that's going to be talked about, that's going to be liked, and that's going to be criticized and just mixed reviews all the time. And just for what I'm showing with it, it's not stuff that you would want your kids to watch, but it's just different, and I think it's really cool. You know, it's so weird hearing him say that and knowing what the outcome was and knowing that, yeah, this was going to be criticized. This was going to be looked at. And this isn't something that you'd want anybody's children to be watching. I mean, the first clip that I saw of his work, he shoots himself in the head. So, I mean, that's something. That's definitely something. So, I'm um, sorry if you're trying to add me on stuff and you can't find me, but um, that's the reason why. So that's it for now. Um, hopefully you've been enjoying those flashback videos, the, the lost tapes, you know, the things I've been putting out all week. Um, I still got more to put out. It's just snippets for now because they just go on for way too long. But hopefully you've been enjoying those. So that's really it for now. I hope you guys have a great day. Have a great summer. Um, the EGS channel is all that's going to be happening right now. So if you want, go subscribe to that. Check out the new stuff. Hope you like it because a lot of work goes into it. So anyways, guys, I will see you in the next one. Thank you so much. Okay, so one thing you'll notice about the EGS world that he has created, there's no men. And like I said, in that first clip that I had seen from his channel, he shoots himself in the head as a young man, as himself. It's not a cartoon. And then he turns into a female cartoon. And then in another clip, you see a toy frog turn into a female cartoon. Okay? And throughout all this investigating, you know, they probably sat down and watched all of his videos. They read all these journals. They listened to all of his recordings. And in one of the journals, it was actually stated, and this could be an answer to a lot of the questions we had, it was stated that Randy had wrote he hated his penis. He says he was born into the wrong body as a punishment and was actually a girl. He said, I can't wait to have, and this is actually written, he said he can't wait to have his penis and butthole taken away and to have his pussy and breast back. Okay, so this is only a year ago, a year before these things happened, a year prior, and he's saying these things. Now, maybe these friends that he lost in car accidents were people that might have known this information about him. 
And because he confided in them and then they died, that only broke this thing inside of it. He needed someone to know and he, the one person he told is gone. That could be a thing. But also, does that, I don't see how that makes you go kill. It's crazy. He had also claimed in a video that ever since he was a preteen, he would cross-dress every Wednesday when his parents went out to bowl. So his parents were on a bowling league, obviously, probably through most of his life. And it got to a point where he was able to develop his own schedule to do these things while his parents weren't there. Now, is that their fault? Is that negligence on their fault? Because uh, on their side, because they were doing these things instead of paying attention to their kid. Um, investigators actually found that Randy was wearing purple panties and a black bra under his clothes during the shooting. Randy continued to build the lore of this EGS by making animation videos of it. The videos got darker and the, and the material started to infuse school shootings. Specifically the Columbine Massacre. For some reason that event Randy became infatuated with. And obviously, obviously bizarre. Uh, Randy actually went on to make <clears throat> a uh, recreation, an animation recreation of the Columbine shooter's suicide. Uh, one of these videos was nearly 40 minutes long, depicting EGS characters shooting up a high school. Jesus. 40 minutes of that? I mean, what... <sighs> The title was The Westboro High Massacre. Randy viewed this video as his magnum opus and spent a lot of time and money hiring animators and voice actors to participate in it. It's just, what? I mean, there's like certain subjects where you're like, hey man, that just shouldn't be, I mean, if, it, if you're going to do it, I guess animation would be the way. But at the same time, it's like, there's a lot of other things you could cover. You know, a lot of other things. Now, this was difficult to put together, and it didn't come together the way he thought, which obviously made him upset. He even recorded many videos of him driving around aimlessly in his car while ranting to the camera about his difficulties with the project, which is always fun. You know that you don't have anybody to talk to when the first person you go to rant your anger to is a camera. And we see this more now, and it's we see this more with older people now, right? I mean, the internet is full of these psychopaths that are, like, screaming their heads off after going into a bank. <laughs> you know what I mean? They come out, and they're fucking out of their minds, going live on Instagram. Like, come on, guy. You're an adult. But as 2016 neared to a close, Randy became increasingly unhinged. According to his actual words, he began planning something big. He started making videos detailing his plans to commit some type of shooting. His motivation for wanting to kill people besides his anger at the world for unfulfilling for his unfulfilling life was a bizarre was as strange as weird as absurd as his YouTube content. It essentially revolved around him wanting to die in order for him to ascend to the ghost dimension. So very cult-like, very just this is something that people who are out of their minds think, right? We've, we have covered cases like this. We've talked about people like this. If you're a true crime fan, you know this, okay? You know that these people are out there. There's, this is not the first case of that, of somebody thinking that they're going to ascend somehow by committing murder 
or committing suicide and murder. It's bizarre how they get those thoughts. He actually went on to make a video of himself flipping a quarter to decide where the should uh, the shooting actually would take place. If it was heads, he would do it at his house and kill his family. If it was tails, he would do it at the Weiss Market grocery store that he worked at. It landed on tails. And one of the first things 24-year-old Randy Starr, Andrew Blaze, EGS founder, whatever the fuck he is, killer, is what he is. And what he did in the preparation for his massacre was purchase some guns. And you just got to wonder, how do, you, how do you go about that? Why was it so easy? And when you see a kid that looks like him come in to buy a gun, hmm, hmm, might not be stable, guy. I mean, who the fuck's selling the guns? It, I, I think that's more of the question, okay? We're also worried about the people that are buying the guns having some sort of mental test. What about the fuckers that are selling the guns, huh? Why aren't we questioning them a little more? Why aren't we saying, hey man, you saw this kid who looked suicidal and you sold him two shotguns? What the fuck are you thinking? That's insane. It's his... Uh, wow. Um, later on, he went on to purchase another six-shot model instead, similar to the, the ones he first purchased, which was an eight-shot 12-gauge. Um, he named his guns Rachel and Mackenzie after two of the EGS characters. Of course he did. Now, due to his infatuation with Columbine, he wrapped duct tape around the handles of both guns as homage to the duct tape that was used in the Columbine. Uh, weapons. He also purchased 250 shells and recorded multiple videos of him practicing shooting. Although he wasn't accurate, you know, because the dude's dumb, for sure, uh, the guns he selected weren't very hard to control, and there wasn't a high amount of recoil and, you know, shotgun. Despite normally being quiet and morose, Randy's demeanor in his videos seemed joyful at times. He couldn't wait to do it. He was quoted to say, it's just getting to the point where I want to be here already. Every time I look at the picture of Eric Harris and, you know, those fuckers, I just want to be here already, he said. Uh, Randy wore this shirt and took many photos, pointing a gun. Like, this is so ridiculous. Like, you see this shit on social media, the kid doing this. He's literally pointing a gun at the camera. He's got an angry face, and he's wearing a shirt that says natural selection. It's fucking... No signs, nothing, nobody, nobody once was like, that's weird. He even would go on to say in other videos that he was anticipating how powerful he would feel to have his co-workers' lives in his hands and how no one could stop him. Like, come on. That's what, I guess that's what happens when no one's watching your content. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, additional videos were found, uh, sort of his manifesto. They were upwards of two hours long, and they discussed in depth how he would do the attack including how he would barricade the exits other videos entailed him walking around the store to get footage of the interior like are you kidding me his journal also consisted consisted of writings about his co-workers and how how he would take particular pleasure in killing victoria brong the young lady he shot from behind with headphones on he also mentioned in regards to Brian Hayes that he would kill him the quickest since he didn't want him to suffer. And that is the 47-year-old. 
The last two videos in his manifesto addressed his parents. They gave more insight into his, the rationale behind the attacks and what events set this horrific plan in motion. Despite Randy's bizarre online behavior, his parents had been unaware anything was wrong with their son. Ta-da! Like I said, they didn't know. They weren't paying attention. They weren't watching his videos. They just knew that their kid was at home spending hours upon hours in his bedroom. Look what happened, Mom and Dad. You proud? And then also, anybody watching his stuff? Nothing? Nothing. He even put out in that first clip that we showed you guys multiple parts of, he says, literally, guys, things are different now. Right? He's letting you know, shit ain't funny no more. Okay? Not here to make you laugh anymore. Because it feels like maybe there's a good chance there was a lot of people that were still laughing. They were still thinking that it was comedy. It was meant for funny. And he's like, hey, I've changed. Get it? Because my friends were in car accidents? I don't know. And then also he wants to be a lady. So fine. Why does that mean go kill people? He's like, oh, I gotta do that because... What? Why? Why? There is no why. And that's the biggest bullshit about all of it. Outside of being able to watch his clips and him saying these things. He still killed himself at the end. Right? He still did that. And it's like, what does he think? He's just, like, there's a place where him and the fucking Columbine dudes get to hang out? Bro, read one time. Read anything one time. So, I don't, it's bizarre. I'm not saying I know what happens after you die, but come on. He's like, well, just, I can't wait to see him, man. They're probably wearing their trench coats and everything. It's going to be awesome. No, fucker. You know, you're living in this fucking cartoon fantasy where mom and dad aren't paying a, a second of attention to you. They have no idea you probably even make a cartoon. And then all this happens. They're like, oh, we had no idea. No wonder. Knock on the door one time. Okay, you got a 20-something-year-old living in your fucking house. Be a little more vigilant at paying attention to their life-going-ons. If they have any. And if they have a lack of one, find out why. So in a sense, maybe they are to blame. Because, like I said, they knew he was a loner. He didn't have many friends, but they thought he was normal since he never acted out and had a stable job. So that's all he did. He would go to his job and come home and hide in his room for hours and hours and hours. That's not a good sign. Never one time has that been a good sign. When I was growing up and I would disappear and play video games for hours upon hours, you get a knock on the door. Hey, man, you gonna come out and see the day today or what? <laughs> right? But his parents were like, nah, it's good that that's what he's doing. And one of the videos he claimed that EGS recruits spoke to him in his head, told him to do it, although he claimed he wasn't schizophrenic. And that's fine. You can say that. But at the same time, you have to acknowledge the fact that he was living in this fantasy world that was created by him. By him. He's the leader. He's the all-powerful. He, he's essentially in a dream. None of this is real. He also went on to explain that the whole concept behind EGS, since his parents were unaware of his YouTube channel and online presence. Additionally, like I said, you know, the, the parents had no idea. He vented about his issues with 
his transsexuality and seemed angry that his parents never noticed it or that it was something that he actually struggled with. I could simply just say, hey, man, come out of your room. Talk to them as well. You could have that argument, you know, at the same time as saying, you know, they don't notice, but you have to show, too. If you're never even around each other and you have it down to a schedule where you put on your mom's underwear, I think there's a a lack of communication there in the house. I guess another thing I'm thinking is, hey, man, if you did a a coin flip to see, you know, what the fuck you were going to do, the option should have been, Heads, I go get help. Tails, I eat one of these guns. Why did it have to be kill my family or kill just kill anybody? Why did that have to be one of the options? It's so fucking dumb. But on November 23rd, 2016, he has written something in his journal. And we're going to go ahead and read that here because it is, it's fucking dark. And I want to share with you guys. It's bizarre. He says, As the late Eric Harris once said, I hate the fucking world. What an inspiration out of all the ones who have influenced me. Eric Harris is one of the newest. I would have killed to have met the guy. I think we would have connected on so many levels. I would kill to be able to gather a mass amount of ammunition and weaponry and to just destroy anyone who has the misfortune of crossing my path. Everyone on this pathetic, putrid planet needs to be fucking slaughtered. What makes someone as innocent looking as me want to cause mass devastation and manipulation? I have my reasons. Some more morbid than others. I've hated humans my entire life. I've hated making friends, socializing amongst my classmates, and just overall being spoken to. Humans are worthless. We are living, breathing, moving trash. I don't care what you say. Life is a never-ending simulation of hell. I'm not afraid of humans. I'm disgusted by them. Life is either great or depressing. What is there to even be remotely happy about in this shithole of a planet? You're a dead man the instant you are conceived by your parents. You don't even have a say in your own name. I mean, what do you say? It's so obvious that he was dealing with something real, real dark here. But in that video that we listen to, you hear him talk about the triggers being the loss of friends or people that he might have known. And now he's gotten to a point where, oh, oh, I got to take lives. That's what that's what my cartoon friends say. They just gave me a whole new purpose to live. That's when I started animating that massacre video, and I'm pretty sure I told mom about it right after the surgery this year saying you know I'm going to pitch it to animators so they can help me do it it's like going to be like a high school shooting video I might have said that I don't know for certain but you kind of forgot about it fortunately but I couldn't do it all by myself it just took too damn long and I got sick of working on it so it got really a bridge to you know the vision of what I really had in mind okay so that's him talking about I guess telling his mom his plans for this video. And it seems like if you had mentioned it at all, mom would have been like, nah. I mean, do you look in the mirror, Randall? Okay? Look in the mirror and think if you're the guy that should be the one proposing an animated video of a school shooting. I mean, come on. You know, you see it done so often in movies. 
people documenting their will on tape and saying things like, if you're watching this, I'm dead. I'm sorry, you know? And honestly, I've envisioned this day coming for as long as 10 years. And I never thought it would come, but here it is. So I wanted to record this for you, Mom, Jeremy, Dad, and really just anyone else in the family that would want to watch it and help maybe help you better understand why I did what I did and how you didn't see it coming and all that and really just to talk to you one last time because obviously now I won't be able to. So I'm recording this with uh, my iPhone. I'm recording this with my iPhone. I tried my Canon camera but the SD card was being a bitch. Kept stopping recording every fucking like two minutes and I got fed up with it so unfortunately it's going to be an iPhone quality video so sorry about that. Okay, so even in this moment, he's concerned about the quality of the video, right? Like the video where you're telling your family goodbye and sorry for murdering people, I guess. Maybe not even sorry, maybe just this is what's happening. Could have been you. Did, did he let his parents know that, hey, you guys got off because, you know, the coin flip and all. Like, would he have made this video still had he went and killed his family? It doesn't make sense. That doesn't add up. But, um, anyways. I can guarantee you that none of you saw this coming. None of you would ever remotely expect me to do something like this. And I guarantee you can't believe that I could do something like this. You know. I know you could be thinking, like, you could have gotten help. You could have seen a psychiatrist. You could have gotten help. But the truth is, that wouldn't be me. Me being on medication, sitting in therapy. No, that alters who you are. It's not me, never would be. I couldn't do that. And also I knew it wouldn't cure me, it wouldn't help me. So. Now that is one of the few things that uh, many people will say in moments like this, oh, for sure, medication or psychi uh, psychiatric help would not have benefited me at all. And it's like, mm, are you a doctor? Are you a doctor? Because you're clearly living in some other world that nobody else is a part of. So I guess you must be a doctor. You must know. To be able to sit down and legitimately say, Oh, it wouldn't have helped me. I, couldn't, I just already knew that wouldn't be me. Well, maybe that's what everybody would have benefited from is you not being you because you murdered. You fuck. Like what? Good. Be someone else. Be someone else. Not a killer. I don't. <laughs> it's probably off now. But I mean, the videos showing him walking through making uh, a video of the locations of the store. Him filming that, all very ominous shit. Like, what? Come on, dude. What's up, humans? So I thought I recorded on video this time. I'm using my iPhone 6, just hopefully because it'll make it a smaller file size to edit. Because 
I can't afford to fill up my hard drive right now. I really can't. I'm 14, 13, 12 days away from doing this, you know? This is it. And I'm fucking exhausted. I'm beat. I know there's no way in hell I'm gonna get everything done the way it has to be, and it's gonna be imperfect, you know? I'm a perfectionist. This is just how it's gonna be, so I'm just taking it day by day and just seeing where it leads me. Whatever I get done, I get done, and that's just the way it is. Um, you know, it's just, there's a lot on my mind. If you're in my position, you'd have a lot on your mind, too. And... But wait, what is his position? His position is simply, oh, I've decided that I have to kill people now. What a rough position I've put myself in. So rough. No recovery or getting away from doing that. I've committed. It's like, dude, you've only committed to your fucking self. So, yeah, you cannot do it. It's easy. Every night, rather, I have to make count. You know, this is it. <laughs> two weeks. Under two weeks now. Just under two weeks to live. Process that. It's like, he he probably in his mind thought that this was just going to blow him up. Right? Like, this is the, the extreme to take. To be a successful YouTuber. Come on, man. Such a bizarre, bizarre dude. 100%. It, 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 and, and knowing what he did, it has to make you wonder, who was subscribing to the guy's channel? Who watched it get to this point? Was he uploading all of these videos? Was he telling people that he's only got this many days to live? And people were watching the videos, you know. Um, the series of videos also highlighted a heap of buried animosity. Randy, Randy actually had a lot of animosity towards his father specifically he says i'm not your fucking kid and you don't know anything about me or how i feel he stated one of the biggest issues randy had with his father was that his dad had been pushing him to get an actual full-time job so he could move out of their house given that he was 25 yep i mean what's the issue he goes on to say that he could have easily blown his head off in reference to the father he then said that he didn't because he wanted his father and mother to suffer the pain and shock their child being a mass murderer. So as crazy as this case is, it quickly lost media traction. People stopped talking about it. People stopped caring. And that's a sad thing for the victims, but essentially it's good for him, right? We don't have to think that this helped him gain traction or viewership on his videos or content. Because with all of the cases we've ever covered, there's so much evidence, there's so much information, there's so many details about this that you can't... I mean, it's so obvious who did what. I don't. It's crazy to think... It's almost bizarre to think that it even happened. It doesn't feel real that it happened. With all of the premeditation set up, filmed, posted, nobody, not one time thought, hey, check on the kid. Make sure he's not doing anything weird. Let's go to his channel, watch his videos and shit, listen to him speak, see where his head's at. Maybe there's something going on we don't know about, but instead they're like, meh, it's fine. 
Hey, it's all good. Hey, he's probably fine. Even though he buys a 12-gauge shotgun, already has an issue with his dad. And they're like, that's just what you do. You know, you're 25, you buy a shotgun sometimes. Doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, Randy went on to write a journal and describe in his journal that he hoped his attack and his writings and videos would inspire someone else to commit suicide or murder suicide. In the name of EGS. In the name of his godforsaken cartoon. What? But to this day, these murders still have a huge impact on Eaton Township in Pennsylvania. The store where the shooting occurred was closed for a month while authority, authorities investigated the murders. Uh, many townspeople did not agree with Weiss Market's decision to keep the store. Multiple people stated they'd never go in that place again. One man lamented that tearing down the store would just mean that Randy won, stating that the evil man who did this would have wanted them to move and would have wanted people to be scared and not want to go to the store after what he did. After the shooting, Send Request Band, uh, the band Randy admired, made a song called Anti-Social War that alluded to Randy and described how the band couldn't believe he had done something so senseless. Okay, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in. That has been Eaton Township, Pennsylvania. And let me just say, the most bizarre case I've ever covered, the most bizarre case that I have never heard of. And easily the longest episode I've recorded in two years. So thank you guys so much for listening through the whole thing, if you did. I mean, holy smokes, holy shnikes, all of those things without cursing. I can't believe it. I mean, I cursed a lot throughout the episode, but I, the, the guy really made me mad. All of these events that took place seem like they could have been avoided. Right? I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But either way, what a case. What a case. I can't. Ah. I'm still at all. Uh, I spend so much time on this. I hope you guys appreciate the work. And you know what? If you do, show your support by visiting PodCulture, patreon.com slash P-O-D-C-U-L-T-U-R-E. Always link for that in the episode description. And it's a $3 subscription. You basically get everything I post that's extra. You get this episode earlier. And you get to support a show that you've been supporting by listening and you do it in a different way. And it's highly appreciated. It just makes doing hour and a half long episodes by yourself that much easier. And uh, you you appreciate it that much more because there is more to the episode. But either way, you're appreciated. Stay beautiful. This has been American Crimes. I'm Patrick Michael. Good night.